most people attack things like anxiety or, or any sort of grief or an adoption process or anything that we've all been through, they try to go to the skills first. Mm-hmm. And I have always, and that's what I talk about in Bad Apples is I flip it around and no, we got to work on our anchoring first and get our mindset right before we even think about implementing a skill mm-hmm. and the hints and anchor. So that's the importance of it. Did you finally realize your dream of having a family only to have your happily ever after turn into a nightmare? Do you find yourself up late at night wondering why nothing you try as a parent is working? Are you searching for adoption resources and a support team but can't find any? Hi neighbor, welcome to Anchors of Encouragement. I'm Tim Moglin, husband, adoptive parent, Bible class teacher, and ambassador of encouragement. I too felt the joy of having a family of my own. I wish we could be like other adoptive families. I knew we were doing our best, but nothing seemed to work. I kept asking myself, why is this happening to us? Life can be tough. Storms in life are inevitable. In Anchors of Encouragement, my mission is to throw adoptive parents a lifeline and be your anchor, to offer biblical mindset support and provide stability when life gets unstable. If you're ready for real and raw talk that leads to peace beyond comprehension so you not only survive but thrive in life's storms, this podcast is for you. Hope and healing are on the way. Hi, neighbor. Joining me again today is my neighbor from Hawaii, Dr. Lisa Hartwell. Dr. Hartwell is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in anxiety assessment and treatment. She is also a coach that specializes in high-function anxiety, and she just happens to be an adoptive mom, too. She was first on the show in episode 50 with the topic, How to Understand Grief in Your Adopted Child. Then again, she came back on the show in episode 84, where she talked about secondary trauma. Today, she's on again because she has some exciting news to share to you. She is the first three-time guest on the show, which is pretty cool. Thank you for being on here again. Mm Mm-hmm. The reason I wanted to have you back on so soon is there is something happening in your life that uh, we haven't talked about as far as what your credentials are, but you are also a published author and soon to be a published author of a brand new book. And this uh, episode is going to drop on lunch day for you. Well, welcome again and tell us a little bit about this new book that's coming out and the title and all that. And we'll get into a discussion about it. Oh, thank you again for having me, Tim. I'm so excited. I am beyond excited about getting the book in my hands. And there is nothing like a new book where it's even hard to open the cover, you know, that Mm -hmm. feeling. In in fact, when I saw the draft on Kindle, um, I decided I'm not a Kindle reader. I decided (laughs) I was like, Mm -hmm. there's something very non-satisfying about pushing an arrow and it flips the page for you. It's so funny that I'm old school that way, I guess. I have always been a bookworm, though. I love books. I love libraries. I love Mm -hmm. writing. It's my passion. It's my passion projects. Um, And this one has been fun because it has been a outgrowth of my first self-published uh, book um, called Bad Apples, How to Feel Good Even When Rotten Things Happen. And I decided to take this one. It's called Cultivating Professional Success, Grow Even When High-Functioning Anxiety Drives You to the Edge. And it is a direct outgrowth of Bad Apples. I took so many of those concepts and I went deep, deep, deep into how to work with our own high-functioning anxiety. 
So um, it's super exciting that it's finally come together. It's been, gosh, Bad Apples came out in 2014. So, you know, 2024 is right around the corner. We're kind of coming up on 10 years. And, you know, the fact that I was able to come up with programming and coaching and retreats and and really touch so many lives with my process that mm-hmm. I decided to reverse engineer a bit and go back and finally put into black and white on paper what I do. And so that's why I'm super excited about getting this in more hands and more people so I can just help more people understand this concept of high functioning anxiety that most of us have. So yeah, thank you. That's really cool. And really, as I've thought about the two episodes you've been on before, you have touched on this topic. And more specifically, I think in the last episode, when you talked about secondary trauma. Yeah. And how you have developed over the years, these tools to help anyone. And we're talking about adoptive parents on this podcast, but yeah. you help them navigate these challenges mm-hmm. with your process, which mm-hmm. that's really cool. And I love the title for the previous book, The Bad Apples. I'll say it again. How to feel good even when rotten things happen. Yeah. I don't know who that can't relate to. So it's that's a, <laughs> exactly that's a great title. But this is just an offshoot of that book, this new yeah. one, mm-hmm. where you're 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 going deeper into this this concept for it. So we've established the motivation to write this book. Mm. Who is this book for? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, you know, it's funny when you write as an author and get and get coaching uh, about your writing is one of the things they tell you is you can't write for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's that's been such a lesson for me, because I feel like I can write for everyone. I feel like I can <laughs> help the world, right? Right. That's what you are when you're a helper. You know, it, it isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. Truly, it's for people who are professionals who have a level of knowledge about and self-insight for themselves and someone who's able to reflect. Those are probably the biggest three criteria. From there, you probably already know that you have high-functioning anxiety and where that falls on the continuum of having anxiety. Mm -hmm. And it is for those people who are very, very high-functioning people professionals who are suffering with this on their own because those of us with high functioning anxiety it's always related to something situationally that's happening in your life more specifically usually in your profession or your work Mm -hmm. sometimes in your professional life but you don't have it all the time it kind of comes and goes and the idea is the reason it comes and goes is because we function very very well It is when we don't, when we finally get overwhelmed, when we Mm -hmm. finally get tired and fatigued from having the cyclical anxiety that it shows up and people either notice it or you notice it yourself and you go get help for it. Mm -hmm. And so my thing was, I wanted to write a book for those of us that are out there managing this high functioning anxiety in a way that actually grows us that actually helps us move forward in our developmental trajectory. Mm -hmm. And I had already established this in Bad Apples that in order for us to grow, we need to be constantly assessing where we are in our development. And I happen to use developmental models that helps people kind of anchor that for them. Mm -hmm. But every step of the way in human beings, for the most part, 
Growth is usually associated with anxiety. Every time we're ready to up level, every time it's time for us to move to this next level in our lives, most of us interpret that as anxiety. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I write about in this, in cultivating professional success this time is that we're the only species that does that. Mm-hmm. Human beings are the only ones that conceptualize growth with anxiety. Mm-hmm. And the difference is with those of us with high functioning anxiety is we recognize it. We see it coming down the path and we're like, oh, no, that just means I need to work harder. I need to do better. I need to roll up my sleeves faster and run faster. And you know what? It works for us. Mm -hmm. But then at the end of the day, at some point, we're going on that spectrum. And I talk about this in the book that we're going to move into clinical anxiety. And then very close to that is burnout professionally. Mm -hmm. So we want to learn how to rewind the tape to how are we managing stress over here on the left side, you know, maybe dipping into high functioning anxiety when it comes up, when it's time to grow, but then go always going back to baseline. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this whole book is about is providing that framework for you and taking that framework with very specific skills on how to get there. And I think you mentioned about, um, seeing that I had a method in there. Mm-hmm. So I actually took what I've been doing for all these years. I've been doing this now for over, oh my goodness gracious, I'm going to date myself, but I've been doing this for over 22, 25 years almost now. Mm-hmm. So I finally decided to just name it. Okay. Let's just put a name on what we're doing, basing it on that framework that I've already established that works in Bad Apples. Right. Yeah, I was uh, looking, I have the uh, the Kindle version and I prefer the the physical print version myself, yeah. but that's not available just yet. Yeah. Um, and we will let everybody know how they can get that in the show notes. Yeah. But I was looking through the table of contents and this one caught me because I, I told you before we started recording and those who are listeners to the show know I love acronyms. Mm. And when I saw this, I said, Oh, that's an acronym and that's really cool. Mm. And this acronym that describes your method is a byproduct of your first book, Bad Apples. Yeah. And so can you explain what that acronym is and then just elaborate on briefly what that's about? Yeah, sure. So um, when I was going through this writing and uh, even preparing the launch for the book too, I recorded a bunch of short videos for folks just to kind of give them some insight what it was about. And one of the things I talked about is how I had my little lady posse and my my male posse out there too, to help me get to the, this finish line. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I did is I decided I needed to name my process on what I am doing. And I went to breakfast with a friend and one of my gals, it was on my lady posse. And I sat down, I said, and she's really good with words. And I said, I need help with this. And we sat there with paper and pencil and wrote down everything. Everything was up for grabs. We just, dumped it out of our brains. And she said to me, well, what is your process now? And I said, well, I refer to it as anchor, align and apply. And that's my three-step process. And so I always have to explain that, but I always explain it in the context of my orchard metaphor. And she said, well, what is anchor mean in your orchard metaphor? I said, well, for me, it's about, I always talk about your individual tree growth affects the orchard growth. And in order to have individual tree growth, you have to anchor first into the root system. 
you really are digging deep into the soil, sharing the, the shared soils with other trees in your orchard. But that's very anchoring. And that is your first step in helping you grow with whenever you have anxiety in your life. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, so how about we just call it R then for roots? And you can explain that further in your book, how that relates back to anchoring. And I was like, oh, that works. And then she said, and then what's your step two? And I said, well, it's about align alignment or aligning. And she said, what's that related to? And I said, well, I talk about developmental models. I anchor our growth into really specific developmental models that were, you know, on some level supposed to have a trajectory in which we grow in our lives. And that stuff has already been pre-established for us. So why don't we just use these developmental models to our advantage and learn where I'm supposed to be at 50 something, as opposed to when I was 20 something or in my teens. Many people get stuck on, why am I still acting this way at 50 something? Like I'm still a teenager. Why am I still having those same thoughts when I get triggered? And then of course, the trigger being anxiety. And she said, okay, well, what's that related to? And I said, well, I always talk about the metaphor of your tree related to the branches. And the branches grow every single year, right? They go dormant in the winter so they can grow and eventually have apples the following year. And she said, okay, branches is B. And then mm -hmm. she said, what's the third step? And I said, well, it's about applying. It's about applying everything in the skills that we learn and that's where we have abundance in our life, depending on what happens throughout that year. And she said, I'm guessing that's apples. And I said, yeah, and they're good and bad apples. It just kind of depends on what happens that year. And mm -hmm. she said, well, I guess that's A. How about RBA? That kind of rolls off your tongue, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah it, it, it sounds like a, a some kind of accreditation. <laughs> yeah, it was really funny. So we were like, yeah, you know, little high fives at breakfast. And that's it. RBA method. So that's how it kind of came to pass. Well, and as you describe that, if you just talk to someone like me, a lay person with regard to psychology and all, and you say developmental models, my eyes glaze over. Yeah. But when you give me a metaphor of a tree and a root system and branches and fruit with the apples, I can see that. Yeah. And now yeah. I can start to internalize these concepts. I mean, you're coming at this from a clinical way, but you've, you've really described it in a way that I can understand it and then start to make this application and use these principles to deal with the high function anxiety. So that's, that's yeah. great. It was, and I think you're touching on something. One of the things I've learned as an author and, you know, as a clinician as well is how to make information accessible. Mm -hmm. How do we make things accessible to human beings? More importantly, the human brain that wants to, what you just said, reject new information that doesn't fit with my current schema, doesn't mm -hmm. fit with my current way of thinking about myself or the world. And one of the ways that we can do that is we all learn through story and through metaphor. It's mm -hmm. a tale as old as time, right? Doesn't matter what culture or belief system you come from. We all learn from story and metaphor. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens I'm a bit of a tree hugger and a, um, a you know, I love nature and mm -hmm. relate to nature and I need nature in my life to grow. And it is a very natural outgrowth for me to align with nature to explain that as far as our growth is concerned. So I love it. I, I think it makes it accessible. Um, it's, and yet it's is important to learn the underpinnings clinically 
what's mm-hmm. going on with your brain yeah. uh, with anxiety. Well, and that's one of the reasons I wanted you on the show, because I can tell stories and and talk about these metaphors, but you can put the science to it. Yeah. Because there's a marriage between the two yeah. that there's a reason why things are happening the way they happen. I can say, okay, this is what happened to me, but you can say this is why it happened. Yeah. And when you start yeah. to understand and peel back, you know, peel back the onion or so to speak, and you start to say, okay, this is what is at the root of this, then you can start to address the problem and deal yeah. with it. Yeah. So that yeah, that's exactly why I want people like you on the show. And that's why, you know, you've been on, this is the third time on here because mm-hmm. you're bringing this expertise to the conversation mm-hmm. so that people who are dealing with this kind of stuff have a way out of it and yeah. you know, some solutions to it. So right. that's great to have this RBA method. One of the things that occurred to me, you talked about stories. I'm guessing in your book, there are a lot of stories. Mm, yes, I used a lot more stories in this one. In my first one, I in Bad Apples, I definitely used some stories, but it was more either my own or a few drippings of some, you know, case examples. And in this mm-hmm. one, I decided to anchor it in more specifically every concept that I was talking about with here's the, for an example, here's the root system. This is what mm-hmm. it means. This is what it looks like through a case example. And this is how you use it. So mm-hmm. I kind of wove that all through the book this time. So people have a very um, specific way of learning the method mm-hmm. to apply it to themselves. This is something that, okay, you've been doing this 25 plus years. Okay. Yeah. This podcast is just a little over a year old. Yay. We didn't know each other prior to this podcast coming into existence. Mm-hmm. When I was working on the concepting for this podcast, I came up with the idea of anchors of encouragement. Yeah. You've used the word anchors eight times already. (laughs) And I've been just checking it off how many times (laughs) this concept of an anchor. Yeah. It melds really well with what this podcast is all about. Trying to Mm. find this, these anchors that we can grab a hold of in order to process and deal with this kind of, these kinds of things. Right. Right. And so, that is something what I wanted to do is we you pulled up a section from the introduction to this book because you're going to read it live for us. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> this is super fun. And this one that I um, chose for you is about the anchor piece and mm-hmm. kind of explaining that. And one of the things that I'll add is the reason I resonate so much with the anchor as well is because I not only um, uh, in nature, as far as the earth part of nature is I, need to live around water. And I grew up around water, any kind of water, whether it be lakes or oceans, rivers, mm-hmm. what have you. And that concept of an anchor is important when you think about the purpose of an anchor, which is what is that piece that allows us to uh, be held, but be steadfast in our ability to kind of go out and reach out and explore. So, So mm-hmm. a boat doesn't just float off. There's a reason and a purpose for an anchor. And that anchor is very individual mm-hmm. for you as a human being. And yet it's an important way and an imperative way, I would say, to live, which is finding that anchor and using it as that first step. And the reason RBA is very specifically designed that way, most people attack things like 
anxiety or, or any sort of grief or an adoption process or anything that we've all been through, they try to go to the skills first. Mm-hmm. And I have always, and that's what I talk about in Bad Apples is I flip it around and no, we got to work on our anchoring first and get our mindset right before we even think about implementing a skill mm-hmm. and the hints and anchor. So that's the importance of it. Yeah, that but this sense. particular um, part that I wanted to read is I'm, I start a lot of the different chapters with quotes. I love quotes. I resonate with them. I have quotes and post-its when I, when they just make my heart feel um filled up. This is one that I picked from Michael Pollan. Michael Pollan is somebody who I was introduced to by one of my very dear friends who is an expert when it comes to biodiversity and sustainability um, in our within the food supply chain. And he Michael Pollan wrote Botany of Desire and he writes about the interplay between who needs who when it comes to nature. And he talks a lot about the apple orchards and apples in Botany of Desire which is about now the apples, remember, were um, cultivated so we could actually eat them. They were never edible before. So the fact that somebody took that and now the apples need us for them to thrive. So it's very reciprocal and really okay. based on reciprocity. So love his book, mm-hmm. highly recommend it as a baseline for understanding what reciprocity with nature is. And that's one of your pillars, isn't it? Reciprocity? Yes, it is. Yes, one of my five pillars. Yeah. So uh, this particular quote that I picked for this section, um, he writes, an orchard is not a field. It's not a forest or a grove. It couldn't be mistaken for a meadow or a vineyard. It is its own thing. It's a community of trees that is an ecosystem unto itself. It's really identified. When you say orchard, everybody knows what that is. Mm -hmm. So I go on to write that everything I do in my business, in my life, and with my clients is designed with the metaphor of this quote as an anchor. Once I gained the knowledge of anxiety, because it is neuroscience after all, it became an amazing journey to feel the difference of what it truly means to use my personal high-functioning anxiety as a messenger, a friend, and my ally. It is how I focus on what needs to be done and how I make time for more play and relaxation, even with a busy life. And yes, even when rotten things happen, it is truly my anchor. That really resonates with me. Um, There's three words in there, messenger, friend, and ally. Mm. I see that as an anchor. Mm. When you're trying to be an anchor for other people, being that messenger that sometimes need to tell them things they need to hear. Mm. being that friend they can grab a hold of and be that ally that's going to stay with them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, those are three concepts I saw right away in that paragraph, but that's yeah. really a, a lovely way to, to introduce this, this concept and how you're helping people tackle it. There's a science behind it, no doubt about it, but then you're making it relatable that people can, can understand it. I mean, there's an orchard just across the road from me. So I, wow. I know I used to work on it. So, it's really cool to, to see it this way. And yes. I love the idea of anchor. That just well, resonates with me. I, I'm not around water like you are, but <laughs> but the, the concept definitely means something to me too. Absolutely. Mm. I had a follow-up question to what I asked earlier about who this book is for. Mm. And it's this. How could adoptive parents benefit from this book? Mm. Well, 
gives me chicken skin when you even ask that question, because I think about our last um, episode that we did together Mm -hmm. with secondary trauma. And, you know, one of the things that I've had to do as an adoptive parent is, frankly, is to continually work on myself, Um, not only during the adoption journey, but uh, prior to that with the fertility journey. Mm -hmm. And then now with raising a teenager, (laughs) I, I am constantly working on my developmental growth. And, you know, this gives you the framework to continually work on yourself and grow yourself so you can grow your child. And Mm -hmm. I think I said, I mentioned this in the last, when I listened to our episode back, um, one of the things that I resonated with the most was remembering that there is some, this weird elevated sense when you're an adoptive parent that you have additional pressure Mm -hmm. to be a good parent. I don't know what it is. I can't even explain it, but it feels like you're under a microscope to do Mm -hmm. the best for this child because you were number one chosen. Mm -hmm. Number two, given this opportunity to raise this human being that somebody trusted you, there's a little bit more pressure than I I feel. Um, not that I have, but, um, as opposed to birthing a child. And it's, it's an interesting phenomenon that I think many adoptive parents have that aren't, isn't really spoken about, Mm -hmm. but it's that pressure that you can now do something with. It's that anxiety, that high functioning anxiety that you have, that's an undercurrent that you can take this RBA method, learn about yourself so you can learn and grow your child. That's the whole concept of an orchard. Each individual tree has its own growth. Mm -hmm. Every tree is different. There isn't one similar exact replica of a tree in an orchard everyone is an individual and the metaphorically that's ourselves as well so by growing ourselves we get to grow our children and then related to secondary trauma making sure that we're keeping tabs on anything that we've ever been through especially if we've been through personal trauma that we don't you know put that on our children as we're growing them and raising them to have secondary trauma as a result of our own well, when you mentioned feeling that extra responsibility, I knew I know exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I can, I'm picturing right now when my oldest son, when his birth mother handed him to me in the hospital, and when she told me, and I've since shared this with him, so it's not anything that's private. But yeah, I asked her, "What do you want me to tell him when he asks why?" Mm. And she said, "I want something better for him." Hmm. And I go, oh my, because now I'm feeling the weight of doing what she felt she couldn't do for him. Yeah. And the weight of having, you know, doing right by her, doing right by him, it it is a a lot of responsibility. Not that I think I'm any better parent or not. That's not the case at all. But I just felt this weight that, oh my, I've really got to step up for this child. Mm-hmm. I, I can't let her down. I can't let him down. Mm-hmm. So I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, that's exactly. Ours said the same thing. I think they must all think the same thing. But it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a moment in time, isn't it, where you oh just my. feel this instant sense of whoa. Um, not only did you know God trust me with this child because mm-hmm. He put us together, right. but um, oh wow, now. <laughs> I have to live up to your trust in me. Okay, I I take that on. I take yeah. that on. But yeah. boy, you learn along the way that is now it's a 
very different thing when they're in your when the child is in your home, mm-hmm. giving you the same growth and development markers that any child would. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if they're adopted or not. And uh I don't know. It's just this like I said, it's this elevated sense of self growth that you have to constantly work on. And that's one of the reasons I wrote things. I write like things like this. It's one of the reasons I see clients. It's so I can help people get better to be better for others. That's a good way to put it. That's Mm -hmm. a good way to put it. Well, I I thank you for being on here and sharing these ideas with us and giving us a glimpse of the book, a taste of it. It sounds like it's a really great framework for dealing with uh, high-functioning anxiety. Usually I ask my guests to give a daily doable, but I'm going to pull rank on you and give the daily doable (laughs) myself. (laughs) It's my podcast, so I can do that. (laughs) My daily doable is for you to go buy this book, people. There you go. (laughs) I think from what how you described it, there's something for everyone dealing with high function anxiety. If you need to understand the science, the science is in there. Yeah. If you if you uh resonate with stories and that's what helps you to understand concepts, the stories are in here. Mm-hmm. There's a framework and the practical tips for everybody. So, I think this book touches on a lot of things that regardless of your learning style, you can benefit from it. So, uh go out and buy this book. This again will uh this episode will drop on launch day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be a link in the show notes. So as soon as this episode is available, the book is available. And yep. I, I wish you much success on it. Thank you. Yep. It'll be on Amazon, obviously in paperback in Kindle form. And then I have ordered um, a box full of books for people that want a signed copy. So I'd be happy and I'll send you a link for purchase. And then when you purchase it, I'll uh, mail off a signed copy to you. So I'm also going to be doing that for folks. And Okay. I can put yeah. that in the show notes too. If you want yeah. a signed exciting. copy, that'd be great. Yeah. That would be great. And I loved your idea earlier. You were just kind of brainstorming and planting the seed in my heart about possibly doing a book club or something. So I love that idea. That might be a fun thing to see if people are interested in something like that. Yeah. I could see you being a facilitator for that where you're holding yeah, space fun. and, you know, mm. since it just seems like a, a natural transition from book to you know, what are the next steps? Because yeah. you, know, you get that in their hands, but then some people just want a little bit more, more of you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. All this is about planting seeds and growing each other at the end of the day. Exactly. Well, again, thank you for being on today. Thanks, I really Tim. appreciate it. Thanks, Tam. It's good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Aloha. I really enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Hartwell and appreciate her ability to explain concepts about anxiety and high-functioning anxiety on multiple levels. From a clinical point of view, she helped us to understand the developmental models. From a metaphor and story perspective, she shared her RBA method, Roots, Branches, and Apples. Whatever your learning preference is, I hope you found something beneficial from this episode. Make sure and check out the show notes for the link to buy her latest book, Cultivating Professional Success, Grow Even When High-Functioning Anxiety Drives You to the Edge. That's all for this episode. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Until next time, this is Tim, encouraging you to do what you can now. If this podcast has given you the courage and confidence to face storms in your life, the number one way you can thank me 
is to leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend about the show. Take a screenshot of this episode and share it in your Instagram stories and tag me at Tim Maudlin. You can also connect with me in my Facebook group, Anchors of Encouragement. So until next time, this is Tim encouraging you to do what you can now.